Welcome to Lost River Legends. Our motto, Ex Tenebris, is Latin for Out of the Shadows. We attempt to understand the complex world around us and bring light to subjects hidden in darkness. We explore paranormal topics with guests from all around the world. Now welcome your Lost River Legends hosts, James and Brett. We hope you enjoy the show. Sometimes people come into your life or cross your path, and you know there's something more to them. Joe is such a person. I worked with him for a while, and our paths would cross from time to time. One day, I asked him a question about managing sound recording equipment because I had gleaned that from his experience before. Once I told him I had a Bigfoot podcast, and we exchanged some different ideas about the subject, I knew he was someone I'd want to know more about. I had several lunches with him and invited him to a secure chat to pick his brain on a few subjects. He's really bright when it comes to physics, electromagnetism, and the electric universe model. Fast forward two years and he is a close friend and confidant. I've bounced so many what if theories off of him because he's a great listener. Joe has provided some mind-blowing stories about his youth, including alien visitations, angelic encounters, UFO sightings with drop pods, a connection to the other side of the veil, witnessing the Phoenix lights in person, and insightful dreams and more. Perhaps most alarming is his dark encounters with the Hat Man, the ancient gods starting with M, and other dark entities. If that seems shocking, it's because it is. Today we'll be covering just a few of these experiences. I want to take a moment to provide ample warning to our listeners. This will be geared towards mature listeners. Discretion is advised. Our intent in sharing this shocking info is to provide a healing outlet for Joe and other listeners who have experienced similar things. Perhaps one of you has had something happen to you. Maybe this can provide a way for you to approach the subject. Seek help from your traumatic, paranormal, or other experiences. No matter what your situation as listeners, we hope you will listen to this intently. So thank you. We want to extend a warm welcome now to our good friend, Joe. All right, I'm here with my good friend, Joe, and it's been a, it's been a hot minute since we've been able to share some time together. Yeah. This whole um, pandemic has been a little bit much to deal with and just coordinating schedules and working all that stuff. So we're really happy to have Joe here on the show. Um, he's a good friend of ours. And he's been kind enough to to share some time with us, and we appreciate him. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, thank you. Um, no, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. You guys are freaking you guys nicer than anything, and you give me pizza. Well, you know, <laughs> we have a currency. <laughs> Pay them in food. <laughs> You know, and we don't we don't want anyone getting hangry here, myself included. Um, yeah, I won't get into 
me when I'm hangry. No, I'm quite, I'm quite the, the nag. So, but, um, I'm thinking about when I first met you, um, you know, I'd, I'd have need help with a computer issues and you'd come in and you just kind of, okay, type this. Okay. Now this, okay, you're good. <laughs> and it was like, you're in just in your groove, man. Just like chugging like, okay, next, what's next. You know? exactly, exactly. Um, and I know that you've had some ups and downs, some life, life journey stuff going on. Um, but we got into getting to know you a little bit better over time and learned about a little bit about your childhood. And, you know, Brett and I, we just kind of look at each other and like, we're mind blown. Right. Cause our, we all have our own experiences. We have our own uh, path. And one of the things that really stood out to me was when you were young, um, you didn't have a traditional upbringing. <laughs> so, I'm not trying to, I thought it was traditional. Right. I really did. I, I thought this was I, it was all normal stuff. But um, I, I want to know what your take is on why it wasn't. <laughs> um, so some things that were normal to you that aren't normal to other people. Um, I'm thinking about, we talked a little bit about um, you being able to look out your, your window and see some figures there. Oh, yeah. Um, we would... We had every time, like, there were times when I would look out the window and there would be people standing out by the trees. Um, There were, I mean, we had this ghost we liked to chase up and down the hallway that we thought was Santa because it was red. And it would just (laughs) go down the hallway into one of the rooms. Um, We hated going into the basement. Uh, because that place, my parents slept down there, but when they weren't, when my dad wasn't down there, my dad, get a background on him. This guy is powerful, like spiritual giant. He's a dad still. And what I mean by that is he's still human. He still has his faults, which are many. And my brothers will, will attest to that. My, my birth mother would attest to that when she was here. And my stepmom will genuinely attest to that. He is kind of self-centered and big-headed, but on the spiritual side, this guy is amazing. But um, he would he could prevent anything from happening in any room just by walking into it. But yeah, we had those. I remember when I would get sick, there would be this little man talking to me, and I thought this was all hallucinations. But then there, it, everything would intensify when I get sick. Like I would see more things. Um, I started learning how to listen to them better to where when I was being bullied, I would piss off people by telling them things that I had no idea about them. Like one guy I remember in particular, his dad was a drunk and I had no idea. And I mocked him about that. And just little things like that. I thought this was all normal stuff. So that's what you're saying, the unnormal Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever um, had any kind of interaction. I know that I've had the feeling of someone around, I've had that, um, you know, kind of just, I feel it in my heart, but as far as like having an interaction, a two way street, that's never been there for me personally. I think everybody has it. Like you're saying, I truly believe everybody has the capability. It's just 
attuning themselves to it and getting themselves understanding when it's happening. So if you feel something there, um, or if somebody has passed on my grandma, Ruth, she passed on in late two thousands and there would be times where suddenly her, her name would come to my mind or her presence that that feeling that you get around somebody. And it was around that time that I started attuning myself to these things, excuse me, tuning myself to these things to where I could start that interaction because then I was like, is that really you? Then suddenly I could hear, not hear, it's like feeling and hearing at the same time in your heart and your head. And they're strong and the presence gets a little bit stronger and then you start interacting back and forth with it and it's like they're there. And suddenly there's thoughts coming to your mind that only they would say. And then to prove it, you know, Sometimes my grandma would say, hey, tell your mom this. Then I would go to my mom and say, hey, I think grandma was here and she said this. And my mom would start breaking down crying because my stepmom and her were pretty close. So that's that's a very interesting talent, I would say. Um, my I would say my wife has something similar in that um, the way that she puts it is that she has kind of a door in her mind. She usually keeps it shut, <laughs> um, but there are times that things still come through. Um, yeah. She's had, she's had um, her grandmother come through and just, um, you know, in her, in her, um, her voice, you know, hey Miha, you know, just <laughs> how you doing, kind of a thing. Um, we we went to Gettysburg, and we were staying probably an hour and a half away. Uh, on our RV trip and at the foot of our bed, which was basically like two feet from my head. Yeah. She's like, do you see that? There's, there's a civil war so- soldier standing there. Oh, geez. You know, she can, she can kind of see, but like you said, it's like a mind's eye thing. Yeah. Um, She did say he was at peace. You know, it wasn't aggressive, things like that. So I think I understand kind of where you're coming from just because <laughs> of some of the, the, um, things I've had to talk to her about or talk through. So, um, but having that attunement at a younger age is probably, and I would think, I would, I would argue that younger kids I think they're have that. Tuned. Yeah. I think they already have that. Tuned. I mean, think of it when kids draw pictures, um, they draw halos or other colors around people. I think they're more attuned to that because as they get older, they start taking that away. And I think it's because they recognize that, we don't put any emphasis on that or we don't, we don't talk specifically about that. So it's almost like we're brainwashing them to remove that out of their minds. Whereas you look at older art, Renaissance art, and they always have halos or different colors around uh, different people, especially the Christ child or, or um, Mary or any of those. And then I think it's not only the, the, the perspective of them being holy, but you can also see it around other people when they paint them, the smaller ones or stuff like that. And so it's a very interesting point. I think about, um, what you say about the brainwashing part of things. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. (laughs) I can't, I can't not. It's interesting. Uh, kindergarten, right. That's comes from the Prussian, Prussian background. So kind of like the Germanic Prussian background where they can kind of take kids at a young age 
indoctrinate them and train them to be soldiers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's kind of, I think there's some of that. We also have the British imperialism playing a part there. They wanted well, a system that could be replicated no matter where in the empire. And I, I, I think that it, it don't only comes from that, but I mean, you think about when we nationalized schools and everything, what time was our country in? We were in industrial revolution then, start of industrial revolution. So we start pushing all of our children to go through these processes to where they're, they have to learn how to do it like this and they have to be perfect at it. It has to get these scores. You're scoring them, and then they can move on to another position or school or whatever, and we're just putting them in. And I think that's been mentioned a lot in the past on the Internet where it's just an industrialization of, of our children and indoctrination of them. I think there's a lot of good that comes out of it, but I don't think that we're truly speaking the truth to our children as we train them and teach them. I think there's a lot of things that that are in our school systems that, and especially recently how it's been indoctrinated more to think like those on a certain side of the aisle, you could say, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Something that that kind of triggered in, in my mind is that, you know, that, that lends more credence to us in the home being able to supplement and or correct or recorrect or, um, it's funny just how in that environment can really, it can, it can, it can help quite a bit. I think we've taken this lovely little train away from the farm. <laughs> well, let's, uh, get that back on track. No, um, it, it's a good point because, um, you know, being, being spiritually, spirit, spiritually attuned, um, and understanding, kind of our origins, where we're from, our relationship with the world around us, other people, ancestors. It's a big deal. Um, and it plays it plays into our lives, whether we like it or not. Acknowledging it is, is important. True, true. So back to the progression through the ages. Um, we were talking before, before we got on the mic, we were talking about how um, I was thinking about these things over the last week or so and how when we were as kids my parents would not worry about us in our room sometimes they would see the light on and my mom says she would walk by and she would understand that everything was okay and not to interrupt us she would get that impression and we would be talking to what we called the men on the porches or the men on the stairs because they were standing above the floor and they would be at the ends of our beds and bright white talking to us and just interacting with us. And then there, there's a lot of times that they happen. I think that happened more with my older brothers than, than with us younger brothers, but she said that happened often. So um, let's expound on that a little bit more. When you say men on the porch, (laughs) I mean, some people would go, Oh, okay. So aliens, some people would go angelic beings, some people would assign, you know, I, and I don't want you to have to pigeon I'm if not, you had to pick. If I had to pick based on my religious preferences, I would say angels. But at the same time, though, are not angels from another world? So therefore, they would be considered aliens. And we can we can delve into that left and right. We can pick and choose at that. But the truth is, right now, I don't know. You know, I can say there's these 
there's coincidences like being taken up through my ceiling and standing next to one. And they were pointing down, explaining things to me. And we we're over my garage. And this is 1983, 1984, back before we had the satellite pictures of, of what that all looked like. And I remember seeing the first satellite picture above my house. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. That looks familiar. And so, and then suddenly I was scared and suddenly I'm shot back down. I'm back in my bed and I run out to my parents and I tell them exactly what happened. They said, okay, let's sit down. Let's say a prayer. And so we said a prayer and then I felt good and I went back to bed. So, um, some people might say, (laughs) okay, so you're out of your body or, you know, there's another part of people would say that's astral projection. Um, from could what I understand, aliens could have been angelic, could have been any of these things, whatever, however you want to assign that, that's up to you. I don't care. It happened to me. This is how I saw it. That's how I understood it. I, I really want to do some, some hypnotic regression, but I'm afraid that I'll have suggested memories from all these other things that I've learned placed onto it. And so I don't know how to approach that properly. So more of a, you're, you're worried that you're, uh, mature self and all the kind of data points that are out there might overlay onto what the purity of the actual experience was. Yeah. Interesting. And, and might, and might change it to something that it wasn't because there is that, that possibility when you go into hypnotic regressions of what you know now, um, overlapping or other people's experiences, uh, cross talk with the, how they call it in audio engineering is cross talk, but it would be more, overlapping or, or shading that slightly. Okay. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people that used to be really good at that, that have since passed. I think it's kind of, I don't know if it's a skill that's out there. You know, there were people that were doing that for 20, 30 years. And I don't know if they had an apprentice, someone else that was on board with that, but there, there's definitely people that uh, names can't come to mind right now. I, I probably would say the wrong name. But um, the availability of that. It's probably out there, yeah. It's, it's just, out there somewhere. Yeah, that's just a bit of a thought I've had recently. And I mean, mainly because of my experience that happened in my teenage years. So there was a lot of that. A lot of fear. I had breathing coming out of my closet in my upstairs after I moved back. So I'm, my parents got divorced. I lived with my mom. Nothing really happened back then. Except for one time. It was right before Christmas, 1988, and we're driving down this road right near our apartment complex, and on the other side of it, now there's tons of apartments and houses and over there, but back then it was just a bunch of fields, and I remember my brothers and I were talking, and then I looked out, and I was like, guys, look at that, all those lights over there, and they were bright lights, they weren't in really any type of formation, but I said, I think that's Santa Claus. And they were slightly moving together like this as they were going along. And so now when I look back and my brother actually mentioned this to this, to me, this last time we were all together, he's like, Hey, remember that? And you saw Santa Claus. We all really know what it was. I was like, Oh yeah, that was freaking UFOs. And so that was, I think when I started recognizing that I had UFO interaction too. So we have this paranormal side and I know you guys have said, Holy cow, this is, you can't have all these different things <laughs> going on in your life. But I, I think, uh, uh, 
along with a lot of other people that are out there that a lot of them are inter interconnected. So, um, I, I can understand that. I mean, so, uh, uh, new year's Eve this year, Yeah. I, you know, we have dogs and they come in and out to go use, use the yard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think the dogs were in and I just, I felt drawn to my back door. I opened the back door and there's two orb looking things. I'm like, those look like drones, but then I'm like, but drones flash. They don't kind of behave this way. The cloud ceiling was kind of low. It was kind of a hazy night. And uh, there's one on top of the other, and they just kind of ascended at the same rate, and then we're gone because of the cloud cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back out five minutes later, and there's another two lower, brighter, bigger, closer, just along the <laughs> top of the roof bigger, line. Better. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, you know, they're within they're within half a mile. You had messaged me, and I didn't see it until a lot later. You and Brett had both messaged me about that, and you guys were like, come on, you got to look out. We were all trying to figure out. I do remember the video you sent me. I still love that video. You guys all sound drunk because it's slightly slower than... than <laughs> it It was, I think it was like half speed or three-quarters speed because I, I was actually just trying to capture more of the motion of, of how those rota- rotated around each other. The funny thing about that... Um, and just connecting it to what you were saying is like, there was a feeling, there was like a connection, like, you know, and and in my head, I'm like, no, it's not a drone because you were told to look kind of a thing. Like that, that was kind of like a non-confirmational bias. And and the fact that you were in your house and you went out there, because some people could say, well, it was in your peripheral vision and therefore your peripheral vision, your, your subconscious drew you to that. So therefore you want to look at that and figure out, Hey, what is this strange movement over there? Like you would have on your caveman instinct was to be able to look so that you're not afraid. So that something's not attacking you, but you were in your house. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't discount. I mean, if someone was like, yeah, I totally had a drone and I had two of them and they were dancing around each other. I'd be kind of like, Hmm, isn't that against FAA to be that close to each other? I don't know. I don't know the facts, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. it's, is it possible? Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, you know, and that, that's the whole thing is really hard to discount people's feelings. And, and that's where it's like some of the experiences that I don't know, there's probably a lot of people out there like myself where we have these experiences and we don't want to share them. We don't want to talk about them because the stigma that's behind them. Um, I went years and it wasn't until I met a really, really good friend of mine in Phoenix. And actually I just kept getting prompted by, you know, whatever's there, spirit, whatever you want to call it. I call it the spirit. And that can be, I believe the spirit can be any type of spiritual being that's there to help you do good. And then there's the Holy spirit, which does a much more than that on the religious level. So kept getting prompted because I would go over to this friend's house that I was, I taught their kids guitar and martial arts and um they had a son their oldest son had died in an accident years before but there's a lot of contention in the home and every time I'd look at his picture is almost as if the eyes would shift towards me and he was sad and uh, the feeling and thought that came to my mind is I can't be here when they're doing this I need to let them know I'm like Okay. And it was just like, I, I don't talk to people about this. I barely talked to my, my ex-wife, my 
current ex-wife, so my wife at the time, about this stuff. And she she put me off for years until one night I said, there's a man here, and we were visiting my mom's house, and they lived in an older farmhouse. I said, there's a man here, and he really likes my mom, but he really likes you. You're staying in the house tonight with the baby. I'm going to be outside with the older kids camping in the backyard. If he comes to you tonight, you tell him I'm out back and that he needs to come talk to me. And that night, she said she suddenly woke up and it was freezing cold in the house. This is the middle of summer. She said it was freezing cold and there's a man staring down at her, floating above her. And she's like, he's outside, he's outside. And she's like, I never want that experience again. Don't tell me about this stuff. I believe you now. Just don't tell me about it. I don't want to hear about it. And so, yeah, that's how it came out for her and she started believing me. But at the same time, it was around the same time I started talking to this other guy. So I talked to him. I said, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody because this guy's like a brother to me. And I said, I'm standing, I remember, I'm standing at his front door. He's standing on the other side of his screen door. I said, I see and hear people on the other side. And he comes out and he looks at me and he hugs me and he's like, dude, completely understand. I see people's auras and I've seen things on the other side all the time. We need to talk about this more. And we did. And it opened that whole floodgates for me, but at the same time, opened floodgates for other things. So, yeah. So along that, along that line, um, I mean, I think of Phoenix and you, you've, you spent a lot of time in Phoenix, um, and made a lot of good friends there and made a life there. Uh, some other, some other crazy stuff happened in Phoenix that we, we've had, we've we've actually had Lynn Katai on our show Yeah, and, uh, she's kind of the first and foremost, um, advocate for uh the phoenix lights and sharing that story so the phoenix lights that's a weird thing because they they came back almost every year for several years afterwards around the same time and i wasn't there the original phoenix lights i was there in march of the following year and i was a missionary for the lds church and i remember i had had um what they call Valley fever. I had it really bad to like where I was coughing up blood and everything like that. But this night was a good night. Cause I was able to go out and visit some, some people that were in our congregation and they had fed us some dinner and we were leaving the house. And as we're leaving the house, I turned cause they're in, they were in Northern Peoria. And I turned and I looked towards the Valley because something felt weird. And I looked up and there's this V-shaped craft sitting right below, like the clouds were there and then the, the craft is barely below and then it's sitting there and I called my, my missionary companion. I'm like, dude, get out here, get out here, get out here. And it slowly goes up and it's as if the clouds, they didn't move around it like, like a jet would. They kind of just were there and it was gone. And I remember, like, holy crap, I got to draw this. I drew it, and it's like this V-shaped weird. It wasn't like sharp edges like they show. It had smooth edges and some slight curves on it. But you could see spots, these round spots where you would think there were lights, and it was the same shape. as. And I never heard of the Phoenix lights before that. 
then I told a couple of people about this that were down there at that time. It's like, have you guys ever seen anything like this? And I was really excited about it. And they're like, have you seen the Phoenix lights? Do you know what the Phoenix lights look like? They showed me stuff like that. And I was like, that's where those lights would have been. That's, and it was huge. This thing was, was miles across. We're talking like, I can see this edge at about a 45 degree angle from my from my face. And then if I went down and saw the other edge, it would have been down here at about half that same angle down along your viewing angle. So I, I know it covered miles because the lights of Phoenix lighting up the clouds only extended on slightly further than where the edge of that ship was. Well, and, um, along those lines, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the most documented, um, sightings and they have talked about outside of just that night, you know, the, the, the infamous night that had a lot more, um, excitement, but there's also the connection there with the, with the mountains and the natives. They talk about, I can't remember the name right now. I feel awful. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of practice. This is our f- first recording for the season. And I'm like, rusty as all get out. I usually have something to refer, refer to. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, its own energy there. I, I actually camped. So on our RV trip, we stayed in front of the superstitions mm-hmm. in Lone Dutchman. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that has its own energy happening there, like big time, but it's like, it's beautiful. Like just watching the different, um, series of, of light hit that mountain and the different shapes it puts off. Um, there's, some peaceful feelings. And then, you know, when the coyotes come out, <laughs> it's like, okay, we should probably get inside. Um, yeah. We saw bobcats. We saw all sorts nice. of stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah. That's that place is beautiful like that. I mean, I don't miss the heat or the amount of people or the traffic, but I do miss the beauty that is there. Um, so along those same lines, that's where I started getting back to the spiritual side. That's where I started getting these visions and dreams I don't think I really want to go into much of that, but they're, I, that's why I say they're all connected. Um, and then a lot of those visions and dreams have come true. Not exactly the way I thought they would turn out. It was almost like they were, and they were allegories. They were very strong. They would continue from night to night, sometimes repeat multiple nights in a row. Uh, but they would, they did come true. Um, there was, uh, so that guy that I met, best friend, still really good friends with him today. I mean, we, we chat often, we're brothers from different mothers. And so what started happening is we started talking and I had another friend that I grew up with and she was very spiritual and, and I knew she was spiritual and I knew she had dealt with spiritual things. And that's where she kind of took me by the hand. She said, okay, this is how you need to approach these things. That basement, my house growing up, she was actually the one where I went with her and she goes, okay, you need to put your arm straight out from your, from your shoulder and your hand straight up. And like you're saying hi to somebody, but keep your hand there. And basically in the name of Christ, um, command whatever's there to leave. And did that. And she's like, sometimes it might take more than once. It's not going to happen the first time. And you've got to say it with such conviction and such truth in your voice 
and in your soul that it will leave because you have to believe it so much you can't have any of that fear. And so it took four or five times for me to say that. And then my stepmom, we said, hey, uh, we're just downstairs. It, it feels different. Why don't you go down and check it? She did, and she came back up crying. She's like, it feels like a normal place. I don't feel afraid to be down there. I don't feel like something's chasing me to attack me to come out of there. And uh, it's, been, it's been good since then. Yeah, and I think um, that's that's a real thing. That's a real thing, and I think that that's you know, using using the name of Jesus, using the name of Christ has its own power, but also having the faith, you know, to be able to do that. That's you know, you're taking action, you're doing something that you you feel impressed to do. Um, I remember having to do that. <laughs> to help you out. Um, and I don't want to get into that because that's that's actually, unless you want to. Well, I was going to head into that with, with talking about my friend. So we talked and he disclosed to me some things that had happened to him when he was young. He was abused sexually by his, uh, by his grandfather, I think, his mother and his grandmother. And he lived with his... His dad died when he was younger in a coal mining accident. And uh, his dad was the only one that protected him. And his grandfather sexually abused him since he was two or three years old. And uh, he talks about his first experience with a certain thing. (coughs) Sorry. We'll call M. And... He says he remembers being about two or three years old and on the side of his bed, this being appeared and he had a bull head, like a bull, like a a cow bull um, head with the horn sticking out on the side and he was wearing a black robe and he had a black apron on around his thing that had embroidery on it. This, remember, he's three years old. He's seeing this. And it had symbols all over his chest on the inside of the, the robe. On, on the outside, there were symbols. And he could smell death and decay and sulfur on him. And he remembers that being so scared he couldn't move from this thing. And it started approaching him and attacking him every few nights but he would know that day that it was going to happen there were certain feelings and I remember him trying to explain it to me and back then I didn't understand it too well it seemed familiar but I didn't understand it and the reason why it seemed familiar is because when I was younger I had similar attacks from somebody that they call the hat man I am that's one of those few that I'm deathly afraid of that guy not so much as others that I've encountered but, um, so he had these encounters all growing up and he's like, I'm still having them today. This is a former ranger. This guy was like, this guy is like the manliest man I knew. He was more caring and willing to take care of others than anybody I knew. He would go out of his way to help out. He, he helped out the poor. He helped out children left and right. And we did a lot of things that had to do with that type of thing. And I remember feeling the fear from him 
as he talked about this and saying he didn't know what to do. And, and immediately came to my mind, it's like, you can help, but you'll need your friend, the spiritual friend, to help you out with this and help kind of work you into this because you need to know how to do this. So I was like, okay. So I start trying to help him out with this and we start doing things. I'm involving my friend and he, the triangle of all three of us communicating back and forth with each other all the time. And the different times that events would happen to him and we're just working hard. And we've, we found through this, I learned that a lot of those who are abused in different ways or allowed to be abused, they, they are what I call marked by their parents. So it's almost as if there's a, a contract that is placed on them as kind of like property almost kind of like a, a, a burn of one of those ranchers, a branding. Yeah. It's hard to remove that branding because then you almost have to spiritually cut yourself off from those people. Even though they abuse you, you still love them. Anybody who's been abused by family members growing up, it's this weird tie that you have to them. I, I wasn't abused by my direct parents. I was abused by my stepfather but um, I still loved him. It's crazy how I still wanted his approval. I still wanted to be a part of his life. Even today, when I think about what he did, I get pissed off and I'm angry. But at the same time, there's this other part that aches that I want to have that love and that, that, that reciprocation from him of that love. So a little bit of what most people would call Stockholm Syndrome. I'm sure it's not the same patterns, but probably the same um, part of the brain. And then our social construct of like, this person cares for me. That's why I'm in their life. Exactly. Uh, That's why they do these things for me. They feed me, they clothe me. They, (laughs) you know, kind of the basics that, that that's, there's that. And there's also, they're not always that person. Um, And it's interesting that getting into that, um, that abuse is used to push children to a point to express um, energy. Yeah. And that's a thing. That's a whole thing oh, yeah. no. on the dark side yeah. that it, that is, is well known. No, I, I, I've, yeah, I've been getting caught up on that type of stuff lately too. Um, and it's interesting. And I do believe it because so as that progressed and my progression with him, it opened up doors to where, this entity was coming, we'll call him M, came to my house and he, he put a hand mark on my daughter who was like uh, one and a half, two years old at the time. And you could feel where he stood in the room where she was at, where, where she was staying. And she was never afraid of the dark before that. But then after that, for the longest time, she's been afraid of the dark. Um, my second oldest, he is extremely sensitive to these types of things. And for a long time, he, he, and he still has a hard time sleeping in the dark. And he's like, well, my doctor says it's just hallucinations. And I see these people walking around in my room. And I'm like, well, could be, but I guarantee it's not because you're not seeing them like all the time. And, and other people have interacted with these things at times too, like myself in his room. Uh, so uh, you can't get uh, the whole mass hallucination thing. I hate that that term because there's no way that a whole group of people can see the exact same hallucination 
as anywhere else. It's not, it's not scientifically possible. And uh, so we started opening up those. There would be times where there were toys in my house that would turn on and off by themselves. There was one point because I was working for an airliner where I was going out the door and there's this toy that was an airplane that turned on and said, where are you going today? And I laughed and I said, well, I'm going this place. Because at the time I thought it was kind of funny that these things are interacting with me through these ways. But at the same time, I didn't realize that I was leaving myself open to have the door widen. And the wider that door opens, the harder it is to shut. It's not like a door that swings closed, open and closed here. It's more like this gaping chasm in a wall that just dripping and you can't close it. Something else about that is you're not asking for that in your life. Like it's, it's taking its, its, uh, progression towards, uh, making more of a foothold. Yeah. That makes sense. And me treating it lightly. And that's one thing that we talked about before is that this type of thing, you don't treat lightly. You don't, you may not never have an interaction with any of these things in your life. Even if you don't treat them lightly, if you casually talk about them or laugh, mock, whatever you want, you may never have any type of interaction. And that may be exactly what the negative side wants. At the same time, though, if you're prone to spiritual things and you suddenly are mocking these things or you don't take them lightly or you're, you're playing around with things that you don't understand completely. Like I, I honestly, I will admit I was an amateur. I had no idea what I was doing back then. I still won't mess with a lot of those types of things, but I know what it is now when it comes into my life and I know how it can affect other people in my life. I know how it can affect my family. And so I immediately try putting, putting those types of barriers and those, those contracts in place when something like this comes into play in my house. I mean, the one that you experienced there Never did anything with my children. I had strict contracts. I'm going to deal with you and with however much help that I need in this house, but you will not touch my children. You will not interact with them. You will not scare them. You will not do anything like that. And we have more power because we are children of God. In the literal sense, we are his children. And as a child, your child will eventually grow up. If it's a boy, it will eventually grow up to be a man. If it's a girl, it will grow up to be a woman. We are children of God, so what are we going to grow up to be? We have the same capabilities. My children know how to turn on and off the lights just like I do. My kids are learning how to use the computer as well as I do. They're kids. So we in this life, it's the same thing. And so that power, putting forth that faith and that energy and putting up those signs like your, your arm up, holding it up like that and commanding and using those things to, and that faith that you have in your, not only yourself, but in God, you have to have it in both of them. Then that's what puts down the barriers. That's what puts down that control. That's what puts down everything. And there's a lot of intricacies to to any of that, but you're basic getting started to have that foundation. And then you, you, you understand that story. So that story goes, I moved into my grandma's house which we were all, all of us boys were freaking afraid of all growing up. We weren't afraid of my grandparents. We weren't afraid of them. We were afraid of what was in this house. And I remember my brothers telling me, you're crazy if you want to stay in that house. Some of them have stayed there before, and they're like, we'll never stay there again. And um, 
So moving into this house, suddenly like faucets turning on and off on their own cabinets opening and closing. Um, I was like, okay, so it's just a regular haunting, but it wasn't until I found and I moved this one piece that my grandparents had, which was a goat's head with four horns and it had all these gold intricate carvings on it. I showed that to you. Yes. And you change it from angle to angle and you can see that it was different faces from different angles. There was a mouth carved into the gold. There was gems all over it. There was, it was crazy intricate, but holding that thing, you could feel this. You feel weird when you're holding it. Weird energy is whatever. And I moved it because I was like, I've got to sell all this stuff in this house. My parents have asked me to sell everything. This is one thing that I think the weirdos on the internet might be interested in. Tried selling that thing, and once I moved it, suddenly I'm being scratched at night. I had this one time where it felt like something was stabbed into my side, and I can still feel the spot where it was at, but it was almost as if it wasn't a physical, but almost like a spiritual stabbing. And like my my body kind of hurts in that area, but it's more like this weird feeling I get right there when I touch that. And then there was another night where I was physically held down. There were arms holding me down. There was a voice saying these, a deep voice saying these weird things over and over in my ear. And it was saying three words and I, I don't know what those words were. I could feel power from them and I could, I knew instantaneously in my head they were ancient and saying it over and over. And that night was the night I was like, this is enough of this shenanigans. I was going to say another word. (laughs) 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 And I took that skull. It was in a box. And I'll go into more on some things with that box. But I took it outside. I smashed it. I put it in three different dumpsters around the town. I took, I made sure all the pieces from that were not found anymore. After that, everything started to calm down. I still had things like, before I did that, I saw being running from downstairs through a hallway, and it was tall. It was almost as tall tall as the ceiling, but a little bit taller than the doorway frame, and it had long, lanky arms and super long fingers and, and eyes that glue, and it just it came out like it was the flash, like out at one point, stops, looks at me, and then it was like, gone again. Um, there was a point where there was this woman at the base of the stairs in like these old froofy, uh, dress with the whole big shoulders, you know, that go round and puffy. There was a little girl at one point that was in there. Um, all these weird different interactions, but the box. So I had placed it in a box to ship it off. Cause I was like, I already took pictures of it. I'm just going to put it in the box and then whoever buys it. I'll slap their stuff on there and send it on to them. Well, things were still happening. I knew it was because of that. So I decided to put a a phone, an extra phone that I had, and I had it playing hymns 24-7. I'd put that phone on the box, and suddenly when I'd come home from work, that phone would be across the room and it'd be unplugged. Or it would be turned off and it'd be on the floor. Or the box would be slightly moved and the phone would be on the table next to it. I would, I had, I bought some echo dots 
and I place them throughout the house. I place one upstairs, I place one in the front room, and I place one in the kitchen. And I didn't place any in the basement because I never went down there hardly ever just to do my clothes. And so these places where I'd been, and I had hymns playing on those at all times, and that kind of calmed a lot of stuff down. I had you come over. You yeah. did. You guys did a blessing on the house, and um, and that that goes into that whole faith thing. We had that one guy that was there. That was like, well, if they come back, it's because that's your fault. This is what you have to go through. This is your punishment or whatever. Yeah, I, I was pretty discouraged. Yeah, with, with some of the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how, how to really frame it. Um, it was like, okay, now that he's gone, let's do an actual like. Yeah. And yeah. we did that and things calmed down. And remember how at the beginning I said sometimes it, it might take more than one time. Well, it, it it was still, things were still happening. I still had jars rattling sometimes in the basement. I found a book that was thrown onto the floor into the basement. And I opened up that book and it's basically a book on how to summon different demons. I don't know if my grandparents, my grandparents are on the other side and I've had conversations with my grandma and she's good. My grandpa seems to be in a better place. He just wasn't much of a talker. There have been a couple of times where he's angry with me and he'll sit in the car with me over things that I've done, not too upset. He's a military man, very structured and how he did those things. Um, there was a time where, uh, where my current wife and I went there and we were cleaning up some stuff and he was there and he said he would say stuff like, "Well, didn't know you're bringing the ladies over." And he's very much a ladies' man, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just have to laugh because that's well. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have done my hair, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no. No. And so uh, he's very much like that, but he was a very funny guy, but a very stern guy at the same time. He never really said much while we were alive. While he was alive, he never really said much to us. Never really had much interaction with him like that. Um. And that's very, that was just him. That's his personality. Remember how I said that personality comes about and you feel it. There's not much said, but when something's said, it's spot on. He was. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so not, not to place blame at all. Like when it comes to these things that you found, Mm -hmm. um, it's like, what's the origin of this? What's the reason for this? They probably had no idea about any of it. And they, my grandma was another spiritual giant. This is my father's parents. She was, I mean, she she only came up to right below my, right above my belly button in height. I'm 6'4". She was like four foot nothing. And she was, she was a beast to deal with. She was hard headed. But she was spiritually just like like my dad. I know how he got it and where he got it from was from her. And my grandpa was, like I said, he was very quiet. He had his things he liked doing, but he was extremely quiet all the time. And But when he said something, it was poignant. It was to the point. And if it was meant to hurt, it would hurt. If it was meant to console, it would console. It was just powerful when he said it was just there. Hmm. So... Yeah. Well, and he, he also was a big, was a big, uh, rock hound, right? Yes. Very big rock hound. And he had an amazing collection and I'm sure that there were reasons why after finding that book, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. I found that book, but there are those inside that book that say, if you summon this one, then they'll help you find what you want for this and this and this. And then they'll all these different things. And so I can make connections like that, but it's all assumptions. Right. I'm making judgments then. And that's not my place. My right. place is not to take the place of Christ 
his job is to judge my plate. My job is just to live and accept. But, um, yeah, he, um, he was a big rock hound. He had tons of things. In fact, I have some beautiful rocks of his blue, his blue, uh, what do they call that? Uh, the Topaz? Obsidian. Oh, obsidian. Okay. Blue obsidian. I have a giant piece of blue and white obsidian. Wow. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either, until I found it in the house and talked to some people who have been buying rock stuff from him and everything. So, But yeah, uh, amazing guy. Do you, feel, do you feel like any of these rocks hold energies, that there's some kind of connection there, like... Um, I know when I've actually been to a rock hound show here in town and I can tell you there's two types of people that go. There's people that are like, let's bring the kids and let's get some knickknacks. And then there's a different crowd. I think there's three types. So there's the different crowd. There's the get the knickknacks. And then there are those who are like obsessed with rocks. And, and I've, I've, I've been around all those. I've been to some of the shows um, but no, I understand what you're saying, but there, I think there is energy in those things, uh, stored energies in rocks, different things like that. I don't think every single rock you sit there and see these pyramids being sold on, on eBay or whatnot, or Amazon powerful energies come from this or crystals. They're not, I guarantee not all of them have that. We're talking about kind of the organ energy, yeah, like organ or, or, or just crystals. Some people like putting nowadays they put these crystals inside these little rock formations of uh, pyrite and other things. They make shapes out of or designs out of the, the crystals and they, with the acrylic and stuff and kind yeah. of form it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And for me, I'm just like, I don't think there's really energy in any of that. Um, my dad is a very big believer on that, and he. He claims to be able to test before he gets the rock if it affects all of your chakras or just half of them. And he says he's found that they either affect half the chakras, the upper half or the lower half, or they affect very few of them. But then there's the rare ones that affect all of them. And those are the ones that he's been trying to collect. And I can tell you going into his room where he has these, there's a different feeling in that room. And some of them I can feel when you pick them up, you feel this weird energy going in in between your thumbs and that little fatty muscle area and going up into your arms you can feel it as you're holding them other ones you pick them up and there's nothing so so i do believe there's energy in rocks i don't believe it's in all of them i don't believe there are certain types that hold certain energies or whatnot like that i but i do believe there's energy in rocks and there are some that might affect you differently like you know about my <laughs> the rock pyramid that i got. oh yeah the black one <laughs> Yeah, that one. I put that underneath my bed where my head sat, and I dr- had crazy dreams. I will not do that again. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, and I think I think when it comes to some of this stuff, it could have something to do with the intent behind how it's employed in your life. I think so. Yeah. For instance, you know, some of them might inherently. I mean, we know quartz has its own properties, right? Yeah. We know that um, there's actually there's a lot more experiences around places where there's there's veins of quartz in the ground and um different different situational yeah. in the environment so um, what was on top of the the pyramids when they first built that when they first built them what was the outer coating that was a, a shiny 
was a gold gold on no, top. No, the or? gold at the very top. Yeah, but they had other things going along. And there's that guy somewhere. See, that we're we're referring to things that we have no idea where they're at. We're just sure. giving, giving the listeners these little nuggets, crumbs, and saying, <laughs> "Go find this yourself." <laughs> this is the guy who built that pyramid, and suddenly he had small little ponds around his house everywhere, and uh, it pulled. They he was saying that it pulled up the water out of the ground, and that could have been what the pyramids were originally used for. You know, we're talking technology. People are like, well, it could have been aliens. Well, then there's the thought now that they could have been to move the bricks. They could have had these. Um, they could have floated them from the river. Have you seen that that documentary where they show how they float them from the river and how they would have these cranes on the corners and how when they did the the um, they did the reading, the X-ray, not the X-ray, but the the energy reading of the building. You can see these areas along the corners where they would have they look different and how that path would have gone up. And so they could have done it by themselves. They just were trying to do it on such a massive scale. We don't know why. We don't know how. There's tons of theories. Right. But we still have yet to well, reveal everything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that, the mystery of the pyramids, because it's just, it still keeps you guessing. Yeah. Um, I've seen, you know, anything from like, water generation to electricity generation to mapping the stars. We had, um, we had built one out of, um, out of, uh, t- not tyrods, uh, rods, the tie rods for like buildings. Like a rebar, right? Rebar. Yes. We had built one out of rebar. My dad built one out of rebar and he put it in our garden. Well, when frost would hit, frost would not hit in that. And there was nothing. There's just the rebar. It's just this skeleton frame of a pyramid. Frost would not hit inside there. Snow would melt in there until there was heavier snows, and so the snow level in the pyramid would be lower than everywhere else. When we put our cat's food out in it, after a while the cat would quit eating meats and stick to um, tomatoes and stuff like that. And um, if the cat slept in it, they were calmer. Interesting. So yeah, all these weird little things, and I I don't suggest people you know feed their cats tomatoes and crap like that. Just that diet alone, because cats need more. You know they're right. They're but they they went against <laughs> they kind of almost went against their normal um, their normal behaviors behaviors and and tendencies. And this is the same. My dad's the same guy who put that same rebar one. He built these, eventually built these curves of rebar, but went around it from the bottom all the way to the top. Then he placed that above his, his where he slept. That's where I got the idea. He placed it above where he slept, and I placed mine underneath because he's like, I always want to try it underneath because when it was above, I had these really crazy, awesome dreams that I loved, but they would get too intense, and I was too tired all the time, but I loved the dreams, and I was like, I always want to see what happened if I placed it underneath, and I did that with that black one. That's when I was like, Dad, you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a hint for you. Uh-uh. No. Um, so I, I remember, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Right. You've, you've had experiences where you um, were, were doing your thing and had a visitor of another world, another oh. dimension kind of cross over and you had a conversation. You know, I want oh, you to talk yeah, about that. that. I love that experience, honestly. So this was in the height of the time. And I think I've, my... My openness to a lot of things has closed off lately just because I've been dealing with a lot of, I went through a heavy divorce, dealing with my ex 
all that, all this negative energy in my life. So I haven't been able to put any positive energy towards the spiritual side, that side of the spiritual side. Cause I think there's a lot of sides to the spiritual, but there was one night where, uh, so I hadn't even heard or really thought of lizard people. And I didn't even, what I did hear was that lizard people are bad. And so I never thought there was any good ones. And I never thought of other dimensions or anything like that. I always thought it's just here and they're aliens or they live underground, whatever. There's all these different theories. It's just interesting to read all of them. So one night I'm, I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm not here. I'm in this bright field and the light is not coming from above. It's just coming from everywhere. And I'm standing there. And then there's these two beautiful, beautiful beings standing there. And they're just like looking around. And I knew they were visitors. And they had this white, shiny, scaly skin. And they were felt so good being around them. And I remember looking at them. And I knew one was male, one was female. And I was like, you know... It's good to see you guys, but you guys might not want to stick around here. Not a lot of people around these parts really like your type. So you might want to, you know, just find somewhere else. I don't think it's safe here for you, basically what I'm saying. And then the dream was done. And it was amazing. I, I, I can't tell if it was a dream or anything, but it was so impressed upon my mind. It was more so impressed upon my mind than dreams that I've had or visions where things were going to happen. And I've had visions since I was a kid of different things happening. And I've watched some of those come to play and how my interaction can affect them or how my non-interaction can affect them. I think a lot of times we're given these things so we understand that it can go this way or it can go this way. So it's up to you. Do you want to be there and affect it? If you're there, it'll affect it this way. And there are some times where I have two different dreams, both of the same situations. When I react differently, it says, okay, this is what's going to happen. So you might, when you get there, want to act this way. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know. And so I don't end up killing someone on accident. A <laughs> well, little bit of uh, choice involved, though, is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, that, yeah. that whole agency thing is kind yeah. of important. But yeah, that I love I loved that dream and I, I, that interaction with them. And I remember approaching my spiritual friend. And I was like, yo, what is this? And she's like, hey, you just, you had interaction. Yeah, I didn't tell them because I try not to tell things to the fullest of them. Be like, okay, something happened. So I'm, it's almost like I test her. Something happened. Yeah, something did happen. You had an interaction with somebody. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. This was big. I was like, this was amazing. It was what it was. And so like, there are times when I want that to happen again. There are times when I want it with different types of beings that I've heard about. What I want means nothing if they're not going to do anything right. about it. <laughs> yeah. like I wanna, I, honestly, I, I've heard about these mantis beings recently, and I want to interact with them. So weird. Most people be afraid of like these giant 10-foot-tall bug-looking mantises, and I want to interact with them. I want to be like, yo, take me up in your ship. Let's go exploring. I want to see some cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I would argue, you know, that 
since beings have have the ability to choose, yeah, that there's going to be good and bad with anything, oh, right? Yeah. You know, and so oh, we've yeah. we know that we, I know I've heard a couple of manted stories that are like, yeah, I I wouldn't want that. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want that. And I always think of uh, what's the character on a uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Oh, yeah. Brack. Brack. I love Brack. <laughs> it's I like. Can't... Kind of interesting that they made that a character, right? <laughs> it is. It very much is. No, I, I can't even watch Coast to Coast. I have to just listen to it. <laughs> because uh, one of my missionary companions, his sister, would send us the tape recordings, and we would just listen to it at night, and it was hilarious. Loved it. We never watched the show. We never. I never knew what any of these characters except for what Space Ghost looked like, and that's it. The rest of them I had no idea. And then just listening to this and being able to put my own characters to it, it made it that much more funny. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that would ruin it. You know what I want right now? I want a big, thick piece of beef. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we had the best stuff growing up. Oh, dude. Stuff today sucks. Totally does. <laughs> well, they brought back uh, the, the Warner. It was the anim- Animaniacs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So? They, yeah, they've just got to rehash everything, if you think about it. Yeah, they, so, will. they re- will. Remix, rehash, kind of uh, upgrading, right? Possibly. <laughs> more of the, here, this this worked back in the 90s to brainwash these dumb kids. Let's <laughs> give them some more. <laughs> that actually might be more what's happening, right? We, we found the algorithm. Now it's locked on, right? There you go, yeah. Um, let's see. You've had a couple of other UFO experiences. You want to share any of those? Uh, which ones? Like, okay, when I was a kid, I remember being deathly afraid of seeing Grays on TV. My mom would watch Unsolved Mysteries. And I remember when the Grays would come on, I was deathly afraid, like, run out of the room. Like, I didn't want to be there at all. Um, and then I remember when I moved in with my dad, I had these dreams where I'd be floating. Then sometimes I'd wake up and I'd go on my bed. I was like, there's no way that really happened. Maybe that was just the end of the dream. So one of these nights I woke up while that's happening and I'm being my, there's something at my feet pulling on them. And I look down, there's these two little grays. I'm like, oh, I'm screaming. Suddenly I'm out. And then suddenly I'm back in my bed the next morning. I'm waking up and I was like, that was the worst nightmare I've ever had. And so that's why, as I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks, I'm like, that could have been what was happening to me when I was younger. You know, that could have been what was taking me up and where I saw the, the views from above my house and then the, and the view of our garage from above that. That could have been what was then. That could have been why we saw so many lights every once in a while, the time with Christmas, right before Christmas, there were times when I was with my uncle and we're looking out and we see these two lights that were over a certain nuclear power plant and this light shot in between both of them and this thing falls down the ground. Suddenly those lights went from the far east nor the far west straight across the sky to the far east in a matter of like that fast. And parallel, staying parallel with each other across the lights. We saw that, and my uncle was going crazy. He's from California, and he's like, UFOs, 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 UFOs! You know, and he's in the, he, I think he's in the military, but I know he was, um, he was a police officer at the time. 
But yeah, very, all my family's very open to all these types of things. I remember being at um, bonfires and looking up in the sky and watching these things that we thought were were um, falling stars, and then suddenly, and I always tell my dad always told us this, and then you know we, it's just common that if we were watching a falling star and it turns, it's not a falling star. And so, and we we're just oh, yeah, it's a UFO. Okay, so it was just for us. It was like that's normal. But I'm with friends, and we're sitting there, we're looking up at the sky, and like, look at that one. That one's going in and out of the clouds. They're like, whatever. They watch it, like, holy sh! You know, they're going nuts. I'm like, why are you going crazy, dude? This happens all the time. This is, they're there. Okay. You're gonna, you're gonna scare it off. <laughs> and then when I was dating this girl, the my current wife, one time I, was, you know, she's open to a lot of spiritual things too, and I was trying to see. Prod, okay, how open are you to other things? So I was like, let's go outside. We're going to watch the skies because I have a feeling something's going to happen tonight. And that was the night I, I messaged you. I was like, hey, I saw this one. You guys told me to report it. And we're sitting there, we're watching it. We're laying out on the grass, and suddenly this one goes, and it goes in between the clouds and goes and turns. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm <laughs> like, yeah. And since then, she's become very comfortable with it. But before that, obviously she wasn't because she's like, no, 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 no. But I'm like, they're there. If they were here to destroy the planet, they could have done so. If they were here... A a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if they were here to take over the planet, they could have done so. If they were going to hurt us, they could have. Yeah, there are people who have had bad experiences. And like you said, there's the good, the bad. But I don't think the majority of them are that way because if the majority of them were that way, then we would have had problems a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Observers, you know, <laughs> taking a little trip. But Watching I mean, the ant colony. <laughs> well, you got to remember, you got to remember, like, if there is a space time relationship, like, they could be coming back. They could be coming back from going further back. Like, they, the whole, like, we think linear, linearly because of, what we're constrained to here, Mm -hmm. but if they're not linear and they're able to jump and and they could have seen the interaction, the pot, the outcomes that could have come from destroying us or enslaving us or doing whatever. Yeah. That perception. Yeah. Being, being able to perceive all that as a, as a whole, maybe, maybe it all comes to them all at once. (laughs) We don't, we don't, we, we won't want to assume what level of of intelligence they're, they're at. (laughs) We'll, yeah. we'll leave that open-ended. But yeah, you know, and there's probably ones that are a lot more Klingon-ish. I don't know if you anybody watched Star Trek, the Klingon or Sith Lord-ish or whatever you whatever sci-fi you follow. There, there's probably stuff out there like that. Not like, excuse me, there's that burp again. Cut that out, guys. <laughs> Edit. Um, there's probably those who are that dark that that want those types of things and they're, and they're and from what we've read there's a lot of things saying okay there's they're subversive they're doing things this way there's these grays there's these grays there's these grays there's uh, all this information but honestly and then we have certain people that will come to us I mean David what's his last name I think you're thinking David Wilcock there. Wilcock, yeah. I was going to say Wilcheck. I had a companion with that last name, so I get confused sometimes. Yeah. But David Wilcock, he comes out and he says all this. Then you have his friend that he was with for a while coming out saying different things. 
I mean, having it from one source, that source, as we all, as anybody who's done any type of, I don't know, not anybody, people who have watched how our governments work and how twisted one source can get. And I'm not trying to disclaim David Wilcock. I'm not trying to disclaim any of those guys at all. I think da- I think David Wilcock is on the right track. I don't know what the right track is. But I think he's on the right track. I hope he is. I hope that what he has to say is, is true. But at the same time, though, if you're so advanced that you can talk to somebody's mind and you can manipulate how they feel, that fear that comes or, or put them back to sleep or control, like, what was that one um, in Alaska? They did a movie on it. Um, yeah, the fourth kind and where they, they're manipulating the girl to say things and her head's twisting around just like in a in some, you know, freaking... Exorcist movie. Exorcism, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm doing all the motions here. Like yeah. the, the, the listeners can see the whole cross and throwing the yeah. water on them. <laughs> Something compels you, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think along those lines, I mean, we see certain people have a vast fascination in the UAP phenomenon mm-hmm. and they want to declass. And then you have other side where, you know, some people might say, oh, good guys want to know this too. And now we're getting a lot of disclosure happening. We're getting what would what would be framed as I think, disclosure. I think honestly, like David has said several times, there's a lot that's going on with it that we might not be too comfortable with. I mean, if there is a galactic slave trade, goes on. I mean, your Sith Lords, what was that based on? Their Sith, The Sith Empire was based solely on their income was, the majority of their income was war or, or slave trade. Okay, if you get into Star Wars, then if you get into, uh, I don't know any of the Star Trek ones. I, I love Star Trek, I love Star Wars, but I don't know as much about Star Trek. That guarantee there's probably slave trade within that. Right. Um, and then if you have that going on and they can just go to a planet and snatch you up, take you away. And if you're talking about this whole beings feeding off energy like Hatman or any of the shadow people or anything like that, which I've had interactions with and I know they feed off that. It's not it's not just feeding off it. It's almost as if they're in such a dark place, this is their type this is how they communicate. If I was in a realm of hell and I'm an emotional being, we are emotional beings inside a physical body, inside a physical realm. And as emotional beings, if I was in a place considered hell where all I'm being is tormented and, and dark, evil things said to me all the time, and what's the language I'm going to develop? It's going to be a language of dark, evil, fear, hate. And then when I interact with somebody who is not part of that, that has access to both the fear and the love, the only thing that I'm going to be able to project is that fear. And so I've learned that sometimes some of these things, that's all they communicate with. And that's how they communicate. And it's just understanding it's not my fear, it's their fear. So it's like a projection. We, We talk about how, you know, some people project their... 
<laughs> their problems or their their uh, psychosis onto other people. But this is more of an emotional projection. Yeah, is what you're saying. And I think we do that too. I mean, you can tell when somebody's pissed off and they walk into a room. And if you know them well, they walk in the room. You haven't even seen them. They they're behind you and they walk in. You know they're pissed off. You can feel that. You can tell when somebody's extremely jubilant and happy. And they're in the room and you walk into that room and they're jubilant and happy. Suddenly there's a different energy in that room. And that's, I think, like we were talking about earlier with children, they understand this more than we do. I mean, the effects and trauma that are placed on a child who sees um, domestic violence, doesn't matter how, what the domestic violence is. If it's you yelling at your spouse or your spouse yelling at you, they see that with the same Feeling and intensity as if you were beating the living tar out of them. To them, that's no different. To a child, that emotion is no different from the other part. And so, psychologically, they're affected the same way. So for us, as children, in this world, what's happening is that they interact. And then as we grow older, we forget how that language speaks, that emotional language speaks. And we tend to, f- to focus more on body language what do I got to do the next day? What's this next thing? And suddenly it becomes dull and dreary. And it's walking through a moor of molasses and right sludge. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think some people like, I know my wife is way more attuned to that whole emotional side of things. And I'm like running roughshod, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll have to be like, you can't do this this way. You know, she's pretty good at trying to point it out. And I'm pretty bullheaded. So, <laughs> But um, wrapping up, um, if you if you could have a message, this I mean this is a lot. We've touched on a lot of oh stuff, right? Gosh, yeah. But there's a thread here. Um, is is there a message that you could give our listeners that um, may be in need of healing, may be in need of understanding, uh, and having a frame of reference of what's going on? You are a child of God. Your needs are great. So that means that you need love. And sometimes you may not find the love that you need from those around you. So you need to understand it and grab it from the inside. You need to understand that there are not only angelic and spiritual beings that are around you that want you to succeed and are cheering for you as you are in this stadium of life. And they're cheering directly for your success. And they are more than willing to help from the other side. They want so much to help and change things in your life. And it may not happen as fast as you want. But reach out. Reach out to them. Um, Some people will call it prayer. Some people will call it meditation. Asking with the strongest intent in your heart. No fear hoping that they will answer and they will and reach out to God, whatever you call, may call God. If you believe in God or you don't, if you don't believe in God, then reach out with your energy towards the energy around you. Um, it will have very similar effects across the board. Just know that there's love. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking some time out. I mean, that's an awesome, that's an awesome message. Even 
<laughs> you know, especially with what's going on in the in the world today, that's a really good message. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come here and, and share with us. Hey, thanks for having me here, guys. I mean, I know we talk a lot on chat and are texting back and forth, but it's good to get back together sometime. Yeah, we got everything <laughs> kind of packaged up in one place. Um, hopefully for you, it was it was a good experience for you. Yeah, it was. It was awesome, dude. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost River Legends. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and consider subscribing. Here at Lost River Legends, our primary focus is delivering unique topics, amazing guests, all paired with top-notch production value. The earth we live on has many hidden secrets, countless paranormal stories, and is filled with amazing, curious humans who are trying to find answers to life's questions. Here at Lost River Legends, we are no different. We believe an active curiosity to the unknown is ingrained in the human experience. We hope you'll join us on our journey to explore the lost legends of the earth by listening to past and future episodes. Until then, James and I wish you health, happiness, and a curious mind. And remember, the clock of life is ticking away. Don't waste another moment and live your best life.